we've all lived in California at some point in our lives. Some like waiting for the big one, a a, a big tremor, if you will. Um, I think the most memorable earthquake experience I had was I was doing in like an office internship, and I was in the like copy room, and I was like really underslept and like hated that job, and I was like xeroxing something. And I felt like the room sort of like go sideways a little bit. And I was like, oh, I'm just really tired. I hope I don't pass out. And then just like finished what I was doing and walked out. And they were like, oh, wow, we just had like a pretty big earthquake. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, more okay now than I was a few, I thought I was a few minutes ago. That's my earthquake experience, or at least the most noteworthy one that I experienced living in LA. Uh, When I was in San Francisco, I <laughs> I uh, slept through like the biggest earthquake that had happened at the time. Uh, not not the big one in like '89, but uh, I saw all these tweets, and then friends were texting me like, "Yo, that was crazy!" And I was like, well, "What are you talking about?" And I slept I slept through the earthquake, which is concerning. I've slept through like so many earthquakes. I think if you like, you're from california or you've spent enough time in california you're just like ah whatever <laughs> that same one that you slept through i'm guessing is yeah, yeah. i i woke up because my dog was barking and it was like 3 a.m or whatever maybe even later and my girlfriend at the time i was like i think there's an earthquake and she was like no she literally said no there's not you're full of shit and i was like no like i think there's an earthquake and she just went Psh, and went back to sleep and i was like all right. Like, I think she was dead. It's like, I don't think she was awake at all, but, uh, her reaction kind of like calmed me down. But then like, uh, there were a whole bunch of books and stuff knocked over in the morning. And I was like, there was definitely an earthquake last night. I went on Twitter and there was for sure an earthquake, but nothing scary. No. Earthquakes are caused by underground worms. Does that mean that like hurricanes are caused by like Mothra type monster individuals not type specifically mothras specifically mothras yeah and then a tsunami is an underwater worm is that correct or the big shark from deep blue sea it just they they do them interchangeably all right well i'm no seismologist yeah but do they wash their pants yeah there's a really good tweet that uh that i think it's important for us all to discuss right now Someone says, men wash your pants before going to the strip club, so I stopped getting ass pimples from giving laugh dances challenge. And I feel like, does that mean that all the raw denim heads, all you perverts listening right now, are going to stop going to the strip club? That's a question I have. I feel like they should use those, like, uh, sani pads that you see in, like, some <laughs> high-end public restrooms. <laughs> you know, that, like, covers the, the lid. that You just put that down on your, on your jeans. And it perfect, like protects the fade and the the dancer with the hole cut out or without. Like, do they pop it out? You think and and let it like because you're supposed to let. Hey, you're not supposed to rip it all the way out. That's not how those work. But uh, yeah, you're you're supposed to let them hang, right? Yeah, to dampen the splash. Right, they're ergonomically designed. Um. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is the good solution for for all parties involved. I mean, it might make some like crinkly sounds that are unpleasant, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but we know that like specifically denim heads aren't going to just be washing their jeans 
yeah you know on a way like you're not in preparation at least i think that this makes me feel like you should have a collection of disposable like full pant versions of that crinkly paper so that denim heads can do all kinds like they could go to like you know an italian restaurant you know and get spaghetti sauce all over themselves and then you know they still have to you know like they could do all kinds of things in those in their paper pants i feel like the the fades that you would get at the strip club are just you know part of the story but i do like the ass pimples are are not cool how often do you have to go to the strip club in your like how many lap dances you think you have to get to start getting like lap dance specific whiskers yeah like like what like what's the threshold there i feel like it's too many is the number yeah and how long per dance because you know that's that's that that ain't cheap that's a flex that's a flex if you can afford (laughs) lap dance fades these are seven thousand dollar fades right here and maybe then in that case, you have a pair of jeans you wear only to the strip clubs. So they're like, they're like purest, you know, <laughs> lap dance fades. So nothing, nothing else. Uh, seems like we need to do some Heddle's investigative work. <laughs> I'll, leave that, I'll leave that one to you, David. As you may have heard, although I guess no one really have known because no one knows what Gerald's voice sounds like. We're back here with Gerald Ortiz, former headler for like five years. Yeah, something like five years. Yeah. Yeah. Before he left. And uh, I don't know, Gerald, where are you now? I forget. Uh, I am at Gentleman's Quarterly. Right, right. That one. That one. Okay. Yeah. And, and refresh my memory, you, you publish quarterly there? Quarterly. Four every, times a year? No, every, it's a quart, like every quarter of an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seems fast-paced. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. fast-paced. I'm, I'm writing currently as we speak. I'm pressing the publish button in another 15 minutes. What's hot these 14 minutes? These 14 minutes, well, uh, Reed and I are both wearing uh, jeans, which... Reed's wearing jeans? <laughs> Reed's Whoa. wearing jeans. Yeah. What are they, Reed? Uh, old Orslo 105s. It's always the Orslo with you. If it's not stretchy, it's Orslo. <laughs> yeah, if it has a fixed waistband, it's probably... I, I like Orslo. If it's... The inseam is, is uh, kind to me. I got short legs, long torso. Yeah, what do you what what do you have on, Gerald? Oh, I have um these are vintage Levi's five six nines from like the nineties that I found raw on eBay. Whoa. Yeah. How much? Oh man, I don't know. Maybe maybe like twenty dollars or something, maybe less. Fuck. No, how much is the leg opening? <laughs> how much wide is the leg opening? Uh, <laughs> I think I think nine nine inches. That's healthy. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's nine healthy. inch openings. <laughs> Gerald, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Albert owns the concept of pants. Oh, sure, I do. That yeah. he owns just the entire notion of of pants of of like leg casings. <laughs> I own the casing. NFT of pants. So yeah, GQ owes me a little money. We have to talk off uh, off pod <laughs> about that. <laughs> Oh, can we get a, a Dov update? A Dov date? Oh, God. Um, 
after the initial DM to me, he has not reached out again. Oh. Um, I am, however, no longer going to the Silver Lake Trader Joe's in fear of running into him. Oh, has he been spotted? I don't, it's just, it's so close to his house. And, you know, it's like, I'm sure his, his cronies are out and about, you know, like, so, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, you know, I, I definitely, uh, made a, made an enemy in my area. So I go to the Eagle Rock Trader Joe's. It's a good now. enemy. Mm-hmm. Like you want him as an enemy, not as a friend. Like that's, that's a good yeah. enemy to have though. Not a bad enemy. Right. And keep your friends close and your enemies closer so, and he's very close in silver lake specifically mm-hmm. in silver lake yeah, yeah keep right enemy, across the freeway keep your enemies in silver lake you don't think he shops at air one you know like i know honestly he probably doesn't do his own shopping and if he does he definitely goes to the air one which is yeah i don't see him going to trader joe's but i'm just like i don't want to take any chances <laughs> didn't he have to pay like eight million dollars back to the company at some point he might he might be looking for deals Seems like he could be a Ralph's guy. Ralph, I don't know the state of his his shopping, but yeah, no, no dove, no, no new dove stuff. That, that, that's a good thing, oh I would say. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want any of that. You, you don't want a, a a dove story in your life if you don't, you don't have to have one. No, I, just, I think he'd be, he'd be, he'd be used to bad press by now. Like you know. Just like fucking take it on the chin. Get lost. Don't bother me about it. Amen. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes you just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the noon membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code extra blowout. Well, I don't know how to segment uh, into Tremors, but Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> Were we all able to watch Tremors? We're watching it right now. It's on for the second time today on the background. Showtime gave me the opportunity. It just said watch again in HD, and I was like, <laughs> just might. Yeah, you don't have to tell me twice. I mean, I imagine you, Reed, have seen this movie like me, like at least eight times before watching it for this. Yes, yes. I they're like I, I don't think I ever watched it specifically for uh outfits. <laughs> um but I have seen this movie I'm I think I've mentioned before, I'm a big like uh oversized sort of like unbeatable monster movie person. I like mm-hmm. I like monsters. Um I'll have some more things to say about that in a moment, but yeah. yeah. I'm a tre- Tremors it- veteran. It is a good pairing with uh, the last movie we watched, Jaws, which was like only like about ten years between these two. I mean, I I think I would be remiss not to take this time to to nominate Anaconda formally for the next mm-hmm. one, but uh, that's just I feel it might be selfish. I don't know. Be a hard time turning that down. But uh, Gerald, had you seen it before? Um, no, I hadn't. I was just telling Reed, um, that I watched it not that long ago, literally like an hour ago. Um, <laughs> and I had to time it, uh, in such a way that, well, basically I watched it at 1.25 speed because I knew I had to get over to Reed's house, <laughs> uh, which really I think fast my worms. Yeah. <laughs> 
which I think might be the way forward uh, with almost every movie that I don't, I'm not like super invested in. It's hard with movies though. Cause I feel like with like, at least like in college when if you had to watch a movie for something, like I feel like with the book, I could like skim it faster and movies are tough. Cause if you want to watch it at, you know, regular speed, you're just in it for whatever that time frame is. Not if you're Gerald. So I will say the first time, what was the blue jean movie that we watched, David? I, I'm so oh, blue sorry. Denim. Blue denim. Okay. So the first time I watched blue denim, I watched it. It's just like one X. And then I was like, I need to give this one another go. But I was like, I'm going to just do it quicker. And I think I went one, one, two, five or one, five. And I will say that movie got like at least three times funnier <laughs> cutting out all the weird pauses and just like sort of just running through that thing. Cause like that movie was one that was just sort of built off the tension and there was no tension anymore. Just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people diving into lines and, and kind of moving a little, a little too quickly through the frame. So I imagine like this movie like any rambling car shot was like all of a sudden, like a scene from fast nine, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which, which probably added a little drama. Like when Kevin Bacon goes nuts, at the beginning, like in, and recreates that also sidebar, like it sounds like the Coors light incest commercial, like the Ann twins commercial. When he's talking about oh, when he goes girl. into his rant about his ideal woman. Yeah. You know what I'm talking? It sounds like the and, and, and twins Coors light commercial yeah. from like 2000. I remember um, it too well. I assume he sounds like he's like just on full stop speed during that scene. If you listen to it a little faster, Joe, can you confirm? I, I can confirm. I will say, I don't know <clears throat> if my brain also just started to move at 1.25 speed and uh, was accounting for, I don't know, the pace of the movie, but I remember thinking like the first act of the movie was paced so weird. Uh, not necessarily like the way that they were speaking, but every introduction and every like every little like thing that would happen, like they they make like five pit stops in the first like twenty minutes or something like that, which, which is really annoying. And I'm just like, I felt like I was sitting in traffic, just like go, <laughs> like go. Well, the best part about that is, is they're trying to get out of town that entire time yeah. while they're making all these <laughs> and pit they, stops. They can't like, get out of town because people keep getting murdered. It's kind of like if Of Mice and Men just had two Lennies and no George. <laughs> like they were just sort of rocking with that scenario and it was like just driving in circles around town. I mean, I, I didn't really take any notes. I was pretty much, uh, I got sucked in, you know, the first act. I thought, I, I thought that they really kind of nailed it. And I, I love that energy. I love jeans that fit that way. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I was in it, so... People um, start dying pretty quick in the movie. I feel like it does grab you, or it, it, it did grab me a bit. Should we get into plot? Because I do want to talk about the intro, the monster introduction. <laughs> I take monster introduction seriously. Uh, I feel like that is incredibly on brand, but I do. Please, read. Take us there. So this has, I feel like, a slow burn monster intro. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Jaws were, like, pretty aware of the danger, and it's, like, it's sinister, but, like, after that, like... They seem pretty high stakes. Um, this feels like a weak intro in retrospect. Like when compared, I feel like Anaconda is the standard. Lake Placid is good. Rain of Fire is pretty good. Toy Story is good with Buzz Lightyear. Don't look at me like that, Albert. That he is the villain. 
He came into a happy situation <laughs> and blew that shit up. Um, but yeah, I feel like the monster in this one, in Tremors, considering it's a pretty like scary underground monster, um, the introduction ain't that great. Oh, like I did some reading on this uh, now that you mentioned you it. Speaking of being on brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like the the way that the movie was originally written and shot is they didn't want to reveal that it was a monster at all until the two like road workers get killed by it um like 30 minutes into the movie and that they wanted it to like lead you to believe that it was like a serial killer like a human was doing all these murders and then only when like they jackhammer like into its head and they both get killed like you realize it's it's a monster and not a person and then they like went back and like reshot and re-edited the movie. So you see the like uh, farmer Fred and like his sheep get killed, um, uh, because like they're leading it with like Edgar up on the the telephone line to think that like some person killed him. Oh, that makes so much sense. Then, kind of Gerald, to your point of kind of the stop and start nature of the first act. If yeah, yeah. if they had to add all those parts where yeah they commute to this farm or they drive here, they look at that thing. Um, those were all reshoots. That's crazy. Yeah, or all the um, like those parts were there, but like the the parts where you actually see, you know, Farmer Fred get sucked underground, um, or you see the uh, I forget when the Doctor couple when they get killed. If that's before or after the uh, the road crew, but yeah, I guess like set the the stage here. So we've got two characters like uh, Val played by uh, Kevin Bacon. And Earl, played by Fred Ward, who are just like um, handymen is how they describe themselves. But they're just like guys without really any direction that like when something needs done around this like very small, isolated valley of perfection in uh, Nevada. They're the ones to call. It's a town of 14 people. And they're trying to get out. But as Gerald very frustratingly like said, they can't because people keep getting murdered by what is turns out to be an underground uh, like mutant worm thing that I really love how there's no explanation for like what the tremors are. It's just they're here and now we've got to deal with them. And they keep saying like, oh, this is the like grad student who's here to study seismology. Like you should know what this is. And she's like, I have no idea. Why do you keep looking at me? <laughs> I'm a freshman. I do appreciate <laughs> this era of film when they're like, this doesn't, like, ironically, it spawned, like, six straight-to-video movies after this, but they're like, we don't need to worry about canon. This is a movie about a big worm. Like, let's just... Like, let's just run it, though, you know? Like, it's like, we got 86 minutes. Let's milk it for all we can. Who cares about a backstory? Like... Yeah, like, why, why do we need to know where the worms came from? Like, would you feel any better if they said that they were aliens? Yeah, like, are there more worms? Who cares? Let's figure that out later. Yeah, no one likes Prometheus. Everyone likes Alien and Aliens. You, you don't need to, to canonize these things. And I think like that's often my problem with any action movie is the scale, you know. And I think it like the Marvel movies do this bad, do, like are an example of this where you have a conflict and it has to be like the largest, most insane version of that conflict. Got to close you know? the portal. Yeah, it has to be like an enormous, you know, life changing event or world you know, imperiling event. And uh, I like when it is kind of just a couple of characters and yeah, you don't need to know the whole world. Um, I like that kind of shit. And even like watch that first Spider-Man. I think like he has to save a bus. 
Like that's like, that's the stakes. It's like a bus full of children. And then by the end of it, it's like, yeah, he has to close a portal to another dimension. And it's like things escalated quite, quite significantly over the past. Yeah. But this is like, yeah, the stakes are, they're not low, I guess, for the characters on screen, but like, there's no indication that like, if they don't stop it, it's heading for San Francisco and then down the coast. Yeah. They're like personal and appropriate. It's the same as like you talk about stopping a bus like speed. You know, it's the same number of people on that bus, but you know all those people and you can feel the tension being built in those individual characters. Just like everyone in this movie feels very well defined, um, even though there's only like a dozen of them. And maybe they're like fairly broad strokes, but you have a sense of who these characters are, especially in their clothing. Which... I feel like is incredible. This is this, you said, Reed, this is the first time I've watched this movie in like maybe 10 years and paying attention to what people are wearing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to call this like uh, subgenre, what this like look aesthetic is. Like the, the closest I could come up with was Oki Boomer, but it, like bandanas, cut off Western shirts, like uh, tank tops, cowboy boots and belt buckles, like tight Levi's jeans, straw hats, like just like sun baked and uh, like desert Western looking stuff. Yeah. The sun bleaching going on, on every garment, like whoever found these things is just, it's perfect. Like from the first t-shirt you see Fred Ward wearing who is aged like 50 years and also zero years in the intervening 30 years that this movie was made. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like to that maroon corduroy, like, uh, I don't even know. It's like a flat pocket shirt that Kevin Bacon has on for like the second half of the movie after he takes off the cutoff denim shirt. Mm-hmm. That thing is so sick. Like, I want that shirt in particular. I feel like if you were to just look at any somewhat popular uh, vintage <laughs> reselling account, uh, it would look a lot like this movie. It's been 31 years. I feel like it, it. it's just like Tremors has come around to hit the zeitgeist again. Um, but yeah, as you said, like all the Reese, like everything on here looks like you could get at least, I don't know, 80 bucks for it on Depop. These are, I'm guessing, you know, kind of late 80s, non-selvage 501s. They look like they fit great. They got that still inky kind of Cone Millsy looking fabric. Uh. Can we get an ass yeah. grade on this one, Albert? I thought I think all the asses are very much flattered by uh by these by this kind of gene. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, I've always I think Wranglers are ass jeans and Levi's are dick jeans, but you know, they're all you know, it's all working for everybody it's in an, this one. It's an important distinction, you know, work with what you got. The the fits on these they they are like really uh, impressive. They look like they're very very tight. They look like they have like little matchstick legs that are on like a GI Joe doll, where like the the waist is super tight and the legs just feel like they I don't know. It it looks almost inhuman, but it looks really good. I feel like my favorite fit, at least early on, was Edgar the Dead Lineman. Deadger, <laughs> no Deadger's. It's it's the best fit. It is the best fit. You know, it's only on screen for maybe like three seconds, which I had to like pause and rewind multiple times. But he's got like these black, like Iron Ranger type service boots. These like raw hem, like uh, triple stitch flat fell jeans. 
this like beat to hell hickory stripe railroad jacket. They even comment on is like, oh, Edgar, he only wears that one dumb jacket. It's like, no, that jacket is sick as hell. Don't make fun of Edgar. And it was like, and, it's like a blue by the time you see it. But like, you know, that thing probably started off as like, probably like a pretty rich, rich, like either Royal or Navy on that hickory stripe. Just that's the guy he is. Very much. And he has like a A2 mechanics cap to top it all off. Like Edgar, like looks like someone that dropped $5,000 at the Rose Bowl. This is going to be you, David. You're going to look like Edgar up in the... <laughs> if, I, if I had the means. He also kind of looks like the Capitol, like one of the Capitol models. You know the guy I'm talking about, Big Beard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> talking about worn over time guy. Yeah. Him. Oh. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, yeah. There's the Rose Bowl of it all. Like even the side characters, like the farmer Fred, who uh, he has a great like wide necked Hemley, and uh, he has like that uh, felted hat on. Um, the like preppers and the green fatigue fans and like the safari jacket. I feel like everyone is is very, like as you said, like everything here looks like a reseller's paradise. Can I tap Gerald in really quick on the layers aspect of this? They're in the <laughs> desert, and these people are layered to in high hell and i just want to know as a layering expert like do you think it's excessive like there's variants in layers like some people are just going like just just rib tank under shirt and then there's like other people that have five things on oh yeah that kid has uh that annoying kid has like a sweatshirt on every time you see him. melvin sure uh yeah <laughs> the, the like purple and green one yeah uh, his first outfit was pretty sick with the with the jersey and like the white tee underneath, um, I'm I'm actually in awe that everybody's <laughs> shirts stay tucked in <laughs> throughout the movie. <laughs> like, how how long are these hands? It's movie magic. Maybe they have uh, like those garters that connect to your socks. Ah, uh, yes, that's what <laughs> it is. Or is it in the air of the big shirt? Like maybe they're right. Maybe these things go down to like the backs of their knees. Like they have to like if they're if they're taking a shit, they have to be super <laughs> conscious about about <laughs> placement of shirt. Like tuck it into the collar, roll it up. These classic Western shirts, they they are cut very very long with those like overlocked hems. And you know, like I think that's like such a trope, or that I've noticed in Western, or I guess this isn't really Western, but Western styled movies. Like if you watch, you know, a fistful of dollars, Clint Eastwood is wearing he's wearing he's wearing, yeah, a shirt and he's wearing like a sheepskin vest and he's wearing like a wool poncho and it looks like a zillion degrees. And like, you know, the person to me that still wants to be an actor, that's us, it seems unlikely at this point. Like, I love the uh, the ambiance of a Western movie, but I know I'd be in I'd be like in such physical discomfort. Like, I'm sure when they cut, everyone's just like ripping off their outer layer and trying to getting some shade somewhere like it's miserable sleeves make sense like i know that you keep the sun off your arms like you want to do that yeah. like even in the hot but like two sleeves two sleeves is too much i feel like and then once you get to three that's performative i don't know the prepper has too much going on but it does look cool it looks good you just cut the sleeves off like a what that what does he have like an m85 on or something like he just like chopped the sleeves off the thing the, the or is it a vest? Guy? Yeah, the vest that he's got. They've got like fly fishing, like tactical vests on near the end. She does. Like, yeah, uh, Reba does. 
but yeah, he has like on a safari jacket that like khaki one. Yeah. Yeah, loved their uh, the free Afghanistan sticker on their truck. I don't know if you all picked up on that. Big former USSR energy. Yeah, that, uh, you know, is still relevant uh, today. I mean, yeah. But also, yeah, Gerald, you brought up Melvin. Melvin, like, was a bit of an enigma to me. Because, like, we never meet his parents. And like never, they're never, we never acknowledged. Meet the, the worms' parents. Who cares? So you're <laughs> saying that like Melvin, uh, Melvin is just exi- like extant in the valley, just there to annoy people. <laughs> That's exactly what. Like I'm he he just uh, he just appeared one day, and everyone just tolerates him, or I guess doesn't tolerate him. Melvin kind of took me out of it because I did have that at a certain point. You're like, yeah, he's he has. There are no other children in this place. Well, there's the pogo stick girl. Oh, well, you know. But there's no there's no parents for Melvin is the big problem. Yeah. And uh Yo, like, I just, I just 1000% read Melvin as Victor Wong's like I assumed he had more than one child in Three Ninjas. Assumed that kid had <laughs> a kid. And I assume Melvin was just like a cousin from the Three Ninjas franchise. It's the same universe. Can you prove that it's not? There's like Colt, Rocky, Tum Tum, and Melvin. There's like six three ninjas also. Like there's like six, like at some point, like the fact that they made like legitimately five more three ninjas after the first one, and they, we never got uh, like uh, a Mori Tanaka origin story is unbelievable. Um, yeah, that is an injustice. But yeah, no, I was just running under the assumption the entire time that Melvin was just part of this universe. Is like, yeah, like he he has been like beating the shit out of Rocky because this is a little this movie's a little older. Like yeah. He's got like two years on it. But yeah, I looked in the credits, and his name is he's listed as Melvin Plug as like his last name is Plug, and there are no other plugs in the credits. I and, love that they gave him a last name. Like yeah. I feel like that's like a it's just like it's. It's attention to detail that makes these things great, you know? That's some good writing right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's like, uh, I, there, I, I did some more reading on it, and, like, it is widely theorized that, like, Melvin's parents are in Las Vegas during this movie, <laughs> but it's never acknowledged. <laughs> and, like, if you count up the, like, the thing is this perfection, population 14, and the 14 people are, you got, like, Earl and Val, You've got uh, Walter Chang. You've got Fred, Edgar, the two preppers, um, Pogo Stick Girl, and her mom. The guy in the yellow shirt that gets eaten through the tire. Uh, Melvin, the doctor, and his wife. And then um, I trust uh, you. Yeah, who's number fourteen? But yeah, there's maybe the, like number fourteen is like Melvin's absent parent. Edgar. I mean, oh, no wait, it's Melvin. Melvin be- is the fourteenth. That's everybody. You might have named Melvin twice. Like we're gonna have to go to the judges on this one, but I think we, I do think we can move on because you did it from memory for those Melvin and Melvin, and Melvin and <laughs> Valley's always been Melvin's. <laughs> but if if I were Melvin's parents, I would leave him alone and go to Vegas. He's pretty obnoxious. Maybe Melvin's parents sent the worms. Has anyone theorized <laughs> Maybe Melvin's that? parents are the worms? Whoa! Maybe, but like maybe Melvin was so insufferable. They're like, we can get rid of him if we send him to this this desert and then send the worms. 
So wait, there is an entire, there's like an entire extended universe online community of in, in for Tremors. Is what you're there's saying? like seven movies. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, no, I know, I know that, but I feel like the seven movies should cover most of the the canon at this point. There's, you think there's still people theorizing on these boards being like, no, but like, where did they buy the truck in the first movie? I bet you that guy who sold it to them. Is there like a Tokyo Drift uh, version of this? Like, do they go to other cities? <laughs> they do go to other cities. The uh, the the worms like uh, they they make it out of the valley. This is like back to clothing. The doctor's wife that uh, like her floral like camp collar shirt I thought was incredible. Like in a way that I would wear it. I said the same thing. Yeah, like I remember pausing it, just being like, wow, you know, this is like what I guess every grandma wore in the early 90s, but like that shirt looked really, really good. And if they made it in my size, I would absolutely wear it. It had this like very tasteful V. I think it had a split hem. Yeah, Gerald pointed out that it was very engineered garments of them. It was like, like that was something you'd definitely see in like a May Nepenthes, oh. New York. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is not what I said. I said, there we go. I, what I said was Correctly. like uh, that the that the colorway of it makes me think like oh you're like you're a nurse which is fine, uh, but I what I said was that I need Nepenthes to style it for me and open my eyes so that I'm <laughs> so that I see what's going on. Like I think it looks great on her. I would not consider it for myself. I just heard it as this is from Nepenthes, and I and I was like yeah no I want that thing. Yeah, I, I want it too, but I, I hear you, Gerald. This, it does have a bit of a, like, I don't know, like 90s pediatrician's assistant type uh, vibe to it. Another thing was uh, Rhonda, the, the grad student, her Henley, like, said so many buttons on it. Like, long placket, yeah. I paused and counted, it's nine. Like, I want to say that might be an Agnes B thing. Her whole fit, though, was actually kind of because they, besides the yeah. buttons, which seemed complicated, uh, the sun fading on that Henley was awesome. And then she had a good pair of jeans on. And then, like, give her the jeans. Yeah, she had them cuffed up, rocking white socks. I think navy blue Keds was my guess. Not pro Keds, just regular Keds. But uh, yeah, no, she had a strong, she had a strong fit. Melvin's a disaster. Uh, you didn't like that sweatshirt? I like the sweatshirt. I like <laughs> literally like all the part of the jeans aren't great. The shoes are fine. Melvin's just, Melvin's a disaster. I wasn't even really referring to his clothing. Yeah. Just, yeah. Melvin's wearing long jean shorts right in the, at the beginning. Over the knee jorts. Yeah. I don't hate the sweatshirt. I just feel like the sweatshirt at this point was like made for like an oversaturated green yard in a TikTok video in 2021. Like that's where we're seeing it. And a pair of like four inch inseam shorts, high white socks. That's, that's what we are seeing that sweatshirt worn with in context of today. Plot wise. Like I noticed that like everyone works together in this movie. Cause like usually in disaster movies, like people are just as much arguing amongst themselves as they are like getting killed and eaten. Um, and like but in, in Tremors, I feel like everyone understands the situation like pretty much immediately. Everyone like 
comes up with the plan and they go, yeah, that's a good plan. And they execute it like pretty much immediately. The only time that they're ever like really arguing is at the end when they're on the rock and like Kevin Bacon argues with the prepper guy for like two seconds before they're like, oh, let's go fishing with the dynamite. And they go, great, that's a great idea. Which was satisfying, but seems sort of unrealistic that you'd have like a lot of old grudges coming out in this valley where like there's only 14 people. And I imagine like if in a realistic setting that you would have people arguing about like who didn't compliment like on whoever's casserole. Um, and that would be the determining factor of who gets killed. But uh, I mean, especially in the wake of like the last year of you know, people working together to get out of a stressful situation is sat- yeah, satisfying, but unrealistic. I think you're underestimating the bad blood in small towns though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm listening to this one podcast where one family killed the entire other family, like eight people. It's bananas. It happened pretty recently. Um, small town. I feel like there was a show, like right in like Yosemite, about like people in a small town that just like kind of want to kill each other. I don't watch Yosemite. This could be completely wrong. I feel like it's got like big Hatfield and McCoy energy, though. Oh, that's always gonna say Hatfield and McCoy rivalries. Yeah, I feel like small towns kind of drive those things a little bit. Nothing else to do but beef. Attention, blowout listeners. Stop by the Heddle Shop for a wide assortment of sweaters, knits, and Teamster tees available in the newest colors and styles. Our denim tops and jeans for men's and boys are made in USA and are available in a rainbow of colors at a low heddles price. Visit shop.heddles.com and use the code BLOWOUT for a special listener discount. I'm also always interested in like a B, like a B movie or a horror movie or monster movie that's like a vehicle for one person. Like uh, clearly this is a Kevin Bacon vehicle, but like also like Nightmare on Elm Street has like a very young Johnny Depp and like, I'm sure there are more examples, but like a movie that ends up like, I feel like that's the way to go if like you're taking a chance on something like a kind of corny B movie, never a B movie sequel, but I feel like it's been proven to be like a formula for launching. I mean, obviously not everyone's careers, but some careers. Yeah. How big was Kevin Bacon when this came out? Because he, the Footloose was like 84, 85. Oh, yeah, Diner was Diner was before that. I feel like he was in stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's like not it's not his like first appearance. But yeah, it seems like an odd movie for him to take at that point in his career. It's like he just didn't want to cut his hair and his agent was like, this is literally all I can get you. (laughs) His hair looks so good in this movie. It is always perfect. They must have had like six people with combs standing like off screen at every time to like run in after a give and take. It is a staggering head of hair. I guess maybe one, one potentiality is maybe like like sometimes the way that these movies are rolled out is kind of, you know, subject to a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So I don't know. He could have filmed this earlier and it just happened to release, you know, after other things. So Mm. I don't know. He didn't really take off until after this. Yeah, that like Footloose was in 84 and then he has like uh, he's in Quicksilver like she's having a baby the big picture. These are all like smaller parts. And then like after that, he's in JFK, A Few Good Men, like Apollo 13. 
um, sleepers. Like all these come like a, a few years afterwards. So maybe yeah, he did need uh, he did need tremors to to put him over the top. <laughs> Gerald, thank you much for for coming back and joining us. Uh, if people want to keep up with you and what you and GQ recommend, uh, where can they do that? Uh, <laughs> I guess at GQ.com. Um, but if you want to keep up with me specifically, my Instagram handle is Gerald Ortiz. Just one word? Uh, yeah, one word. No spaces, no, no special symbol. Okay. And the... The GQ recommends Instagram is really sick and it, and super digestible and people mm-hmm. should follow that too. And you can sometimes see Gerald on it. Yeah, yeah. you'll sometimes see me um, in there uh, recommending stuff. Okay, great. If you like product, it is a very good follow. I mm-hmm. I recommend it. Read recommends, GQ recommends. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for uh, this show in particular, uh, read what is our email address? Blowout at heddles.com. Thank you very much. And if you want to leave us a voice message, our Google voice number is 720-675-7098. And if you want to support, you can uh, always join Heddles Plus, or you can head on over to the Heddles Shop, where listeners always get 10% off with the code BLOWOUT. We got some new uh, Teamster-made sweatshirts and hoodies in there. Uh, And we're going to have a little bit more coming in soon that uh, Albert and I are quite excited about. Otherwise, thank you very much for joining us, and we will catch you next time.